by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, I used to write newspaper articles. Uh, used to send them out across the United States and had several newspapers running them. And they were called But Anyway Stories. After I got saved, I started writing stories. And I tell you the stories a lot of times. Uh, crazy things that I did growing up. Me and my brother, me and my mother, me and my friends. And knucklehead things that we got ourselves into. But then towards the end of the story, after I tell the story, I'll say, But Anyway. And then I'll begin to tell what I've learned since I've been saved. What the Bible says. And it just kind of helps me. And I think it, God gave it to me for therapy. <laughs> when you got saved, did God begin to take you back to your mistakes of your past and show you a better way? Well, I think I wrote 94 stories. And, I, and at one time, I was in the, the local paper. It was called the South Haven Press, I think, at the time. And uh, I was in all these other newspapers, and I had like 300 people on my email list that I would send it out to weekly. And so I was doing, doing well. And as a young Christian, I start thinking to myself, well, hey, this is going so well. Maybe this will be, this is my ministry. Maybe this is what I'm called to do. So I got the bright idea. I want to start, I want to put an audio CD together. Y'all remember what CDs are on little silver things? <clears throat> I'm going to put a CD together, and I'm going to speak 10 of the stories and put them on an audio CD. They'll get to hear my voice. So I had these 300 people. I've been sending this story to them for free for two years here, you know, and they're all, I'm thinking they're my buddies. And so when I come out with these CDs, everybody, surely everybody's going to want one. And, you know, maybe I can start bringing in some income and maybe I can go full time as a writer and so forth. I started getting all these grand ideas. So I did. I spent about a month recording these things professionally and, and had my family go out in the backyard and take a picture with me. We made a cover for the CD. Um, had, had a website put together so where and put it to, so you could buy it on the website, you know, and and so I had all my ducks in a row, and I bought about two or three hundred CDs to get started. I thought that would go in the first week when all my people on the email list, you know, they all saw it, and, and I started building up each week. I said, "It's coming. the The new CD launch was is coming next month, you know," and I built it up and made this big thing out of it. And on the day that I launched it and said they were now open for sale, guess how many people, just in that day, guess how many people bought one? Not 2,000. Not even 200. Two. And my mama bought both of them. true story. My brother, who was in most of the stories, wouldn't buy one. He thought I ought to give him one, and I don't think he really wanted one. I'm telling you, nobody would touch it with a 10-foot pole, and, and I, my feelings was hurt. I'm like, 
I did all this. I had all my plans. And nobody would buy one. And I went to the Lord just pouring out my grief. And God showed me. He said, I never told you to do this. In fact, when you went that direction, I closed the door. And I'm telling you, when God closed the door, ain't nobody but mama coming through that door. I mean, I could not give them away. I thought about bringing one up here today, you know, and saying after I told a story just to prove it to you and then throw it to somebody, y'all would throw it back at me. Some of you are getting physically ill, me talking about this CD right now. God has shut the door so strongly on that idea. And it wasn't long after that, God shut the whole thing down. He said, I don't even want you writing stories anymore. And you know what I did? I stopped writing them. I learned a big lesson right there. I learned a big lesson. Turn to Proverbs 16, 9. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Thank you, by the way, Nicholas, for all your hard work on life groups, Mary, and all of you leaders who have trained and, and put, put your time in, those who served last semester, you did a fantastic job. You guys have the heart of God in this. You have your shepherds after God's own heart, and I salute you. Proverbs 16, 9 says, We can make our plans, but, say but, the Lord determines our steps. Especially for the Christian. You see, our plans are not supposed to be our plans. Our plans are supposed to be God's plans. When we said Jesus be Lord of our life, we were bought with the price. So we can make our plans, but hey, God is going to direct our steps. So you can either get with the plan, or you can have your own plan and have it shut down like that but anyway stuff. Now, Jeremiah, he was a prophet of God. He was real close with God. I figure he knows a thing or two about God. And in Jeremiah 10, 23, he says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. We've been bought with a price, and you can plan all you want to, but unless you're hearing from God, they're more than likely not going to succeed. And here we come into 2020, into a new year, a lot of, had enough time already, a lot of you already broken your resolutions. Some of you are smart enough not to make any silly resolutions like you used to. But here we are into a, a new decade, really, and it's wrought with possibility. If you think about your future, you can say, hey, all things are possible. I don't have to. Some of you never think this way, but I do. I think I don't have to be the way I was last year. I don't have to go through the same things. I believe that there's hope in my future. I believe there's a new sense of direction and a new sense of purpose. And I believe there's a resurrection of the things God has shown me in the past. There's turnarounds to be had in your relationships, in your jobs. 
in your finances. Man, this could be your year. Marriage is restored. Marriage is made better. Your knucklehead kids coming back to reality. I don't know. Boy, that'd be a miracle. I see a lot of elbows hitting, hitting these young kids around here. But I know here in the church that 2020 has been prophesied to be our year of manifestation. 19 was our year of implementation. We put these life groups together and, and the Next Step program, which we're having today at 1.30. And, and these things are put into place. And now we have the structure to support the growth that God wants to give to this church. And I believe 2020, with all my heart, God has shown us, is going to be our year of manifestation. All the things that we've been praying about all these years, for years and years, about how we're going to have a huge children's ministry, and all the things that this church is supposed to be, as you see the banners on our walls, they're gonna, those wheels are getting into motion this year. We're going to see, we're going to see fruit this year. I believe it with all my heart. Christy shared with me a not Christy, Kirsty. Kirsty shared with me a scripture last Sunday and, and put it on my, on my desk, and it, it was so good, Kirsty. I want to share it with the congregation today. It's Psalms 6511. If you didn't bring your Bible, we're going to let you cheat off the screen. It says, You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip. With abundance. You like that? Okay, so if God's path is dripping with abundance and he's crowning this year, why would we take another path? Why would we want to go down the same old path we've been down a hundred times? Around the same old mountains that we done dug a trench. Why don't we take God's path this year? They're dripping with abundance. Can I get an amen? amen? I wrote this. On the path to possess the promised land, you must dispossess the unprofitable and unproductive things of your past. To reach forward into 2020, we got to let go of 2019 and all the things that's held us captive. We need to enter this new year with a, with a new vision, with, with, with God's vision. There's a battle to possess the promised land. There's a battle to stay in the promised land. And if you want real change, you got to make real changes. Nobody wants to make any changes. We're just closed. Y'all go ahead and hit the buffet. Or do you want to change? I mean, 2019 might have been your best year yet. But it can get gooder and gooder. As good as 2019 may have been to you, I'm expecting more for you in 2020. All right, I got a couple of things I want to share with you. How are we going to get there? First of all, in the promised land, there's only room for one person on the throne. 
and you ain't him. Are you listening? See, all the trouble you got yourself into in the past because you was sitting on the throne. You was making the plans. You was following your path. So if we're going we're gonna to make real changes this year and see real results, we're going to have to let God sit on the throne. When I got saved, I was a lot like Peter. Cocky. Thought I was God. Uh, I thought I was the gift to God. Not <laughs> I was God's gift to him. <laughs> I thought I, I knew everything. I was prideful. I, I, think, I think about Peter, the story that best sums up Peter was when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up onto the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what they call it in the Bible. When Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and in, in the account of Luke, it doesn't tell it in the other two accounts, but in Luke chapter 9, I believe it is, it tells the account that they went up there and they were praying, and the disciples fell asleep again. <laughs> You remember they fell asleep in the garden. That was, that was their habit. Come prayer time, we get sleep. How, how do we get so sleepy during prayer time? Have you noticed that? Man, if, I, if my kids are staying up late, all I got to do is get up to open the Bible and start reading it, and they get sleepy all of a sudden. Boy, you, they just fall right asleep, you know. Ain't that true? And I must admit, I get a little sleepy sometimes. But the disciples fell smooth asleep like that was their tradition. And when they wake up, Jesus has been transformed into his, his glory. He's radiating. He's shining. And he's speaking with Moses and Elijah who's come down from heaven. And they're talking to him about, you know, his death and how he's going to be ascended into heaven and all these things. And they're discussing it. And Peter wakes up. And instead of being in awe like he should have been and should have been quiet, and letting Moses, Elijah, and, and Jesus do the talking, he jumps up and says, well, this is good that I'm here. It's good that I'm here because I can figure it out for us. It's good that we're here. I think we ought to build a tabernacle for Moses. We'll put one for Elijah over here. Jesus, we'll get you a little shindig over here. We got it. All, I got it all figured out. This is the guy that ain't done a lick of praying but it's got all the solutions. That describes a lot of y'all's 2019. Ain't done a lick of praying, but know everything. God got involved in this one. It was just, God's like, oh, Peter. And he, he overshadowed the place with a cloud, and he said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, Peter, shut up. Stop doing all the talking and start doing some listening. You see, when I was first born again, God was my co-pilot. I had everything but the bumper sticker that said God was my co-pilot. If God is your co-pilot, switch seats. He is not here to help you get to your destination. He's doing the driving. A sign of an immature Christian is this. That you still want your will to be done. Jesus showed us the way in the garden when he said, 
Father, not my will, but thine be done. That's tough, ain't it? And, and, and I know we got new Christians, we got old Christians, older Christians. We got, you know, more mature Christians. But I'm just giving you some advice. If you're going to go with Jesus, go whole hog. Just go on and let his will be done. That's the message today, okay? And so if we quit, our, if, I, if I don't have time to finish, I want you to remember that. Where was I at? God is not a magic genie, y'all. I mean, when I got saved, I thought if he's supposed to do what I want him to do. I'm telling God what to do. <laughs> it's funny. And now we've got a whole culture of what I call super Christians. In America, just super Christians. You, you look around. I, I recognize them because I used to be one. <laughs> I thought I was one. I go to the jailhouse now. And there's some guys that's repeat offenders. You see them in there every couple of months. Their life is in shambles, but they know more scripture than you do. And they want to preach the message. Really? People, they are puffed up with knowledge these days. They think knowledge is what Christianity is about. Like we're supposed to mentally ascend to be a Christian. Your Christianity ain't in here. It's in here. And then we got, we got super Christians behind pulpits throughout America. I knew this one pastor. You don't know him. He didn't belong to this church, so don't be trying to guess. But I knew this one pastor. He would literally get up there, and he would pick controversial topics on purpose to preach about so he could share his opinion on it. And the whole time, every, every sermon was he's trying to convince you that he's right. About mental gymnastics. And I'm thinking, as a pastor, isn't your job to hear from God and to prepare disciples, not to show how great you are from the pulpit, to raise up people that can raise up other people? And, and in my job, to I'm just a messenger. Thank goodness God has done a work in my life. And then... We got these super Christians, some of them who are so puffed up with knowledge these days, they can't even go to church anymore because they can't find a preacher who will preach uh, on a high enough level to meet their spiritual superiority. You probably know somebody that ain't in church right now because, oh, I don't go to church. I know more than them pastors. Well, you may know more than me, but but I'm the one God called to, to, to shepherd you. It ain't about who's the smartest. There's called and there's uncalled. And, and, and because you're called don't make you special. It just gives you responsibility to this, for that. You're called to what you're called to do. I'm called to do what I'm called to do. Oh, I don't want to preach that. Super Christians, don't be a, don't, that's super religious. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He said, I saw him, God casting down, whoop, hit his head, probably created one of them create, craters over there in Nevada somewhere. <laughs> 
hit, hit the earth so hard? Why did he get cast down from heaven? Because of pride. And see, that's the same thing that ended up causing Peter to deny Christ three times. There's so much pride in his life. He's up one day, down the next. He's got good intentions, but he had to be in the middle of everything. Then we got what we call, I like to call today, King Saul-type Christians. Israel didn't have a king. God was their king, but the people wanted a king, so God said, all right, I'll give you a king, but he's got, he got to follow me. Chose some, he gave them what they wanted, some tall, good-looking fella, you know. He looked like a king. Didn't have the unction to be a king at all. He got in there, and God would tell him what to do, and he would pretend like he was going to do it, but then the parts that he didn't like, he wouldn't do. Oh, you want me to kill all the animals when we destroy this enemy? Well, I'm going to just take the best ones for me. And then when he's called out on it, he said, oh, well, you know, we were just going to sacrifice them to God. Making up stuff as he went along. We got a lot of Christians like that today. And that may be you. We're, you're thinking, well, I'm following God. I do most of what he wants me to do. You know, I, I keep appearances up. See, Saul was a people pleaser. He cared more about what the people thought than what God thought. Samuel the prophet came and called him out on bringing those animals back. And he said, God is going to take your kingdom from you. Now, if somebody came and told me that God was going to take my calling from me, I would be completely heartbroken. I would get in sackcloth and ashes, and I don't even have any sackcloth and ashes. I would, I would start crying and asking for forgiveness and repentance, but Saul didn't. He really wasn't concerned about what God thought. He said, Samuel, okay, okay, I understand that, but Samuel, would you come worship with me before the people so the people can see that I'm still good? And so many live their lives. They just come to church so they can keep up appearances. They want the people to think that they're right with God. This is kind of tough, ain't it? And if this is you, we all been there. But we're talking about moving forward this year, right? We're talking about change. We're talking about not being pretenders. Saul thought God could be manipulated, bargained with, and fooled, and he was wrong on all three accounts. God is not a means to get your way. He is the way. The early church was called the way, and we're supposed to be followers of the way. God is not going to steer your life from the back seat. We need to be like Carrie Underwood, say, Jesus, take the wheel. Country music listening. God won't steer from the back seat, and he can't steer a parked car. If you ain't doing nothing, he can't steer your life. It's time to get our engines running. 
You say, well, you're getting me stirred up. I, I can feel my engines cranking. But I don't know which way to go. I don't know what God wants for my life. Of course you don't. Your Bible's got three layers of dust on it. Of course you don't. You think church attendance is optional. You come once or twice a month. Do you know how hard it is to try to pastor a people that won't show up? The message last week that you missed was for you. <clears throat> the extent of our prayer life. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this plate. You're a parked car. God can't steer that. You're not giving him anything to work with. That's not the way that's dripping with abundance for 2020. We got a part to play. God's got his part. We partner with God. We follow God. And he leads us and helps us do our part. And your part is always going to involve taking up a cross. So I'm not up here telling you. That this is going to be easy. The road to living a godly life is not paved with good intentions. It involves dying daily. Taking up your cross. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Pastor, you going to sit up there and tell me that I'm supposed to just give up my way when I've been trying to live according to my way all my life? If you want different results. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You will find your real life. After all the mistakes you have made in your life, all the wrong turns you have taken, is it still so hard for you to believe that God's plan may be better than your latest idea? Is that still so hard for you to understand? That God's way may just work better than your way? Whew. I didn't stir the pot this morning. Let me give you a break here. I'll tell you a quick story. I got five minutes. <laughs> me and Kaylee went flying a kite yesterday. She's told me to go fly a kite all my life. But <clears throat> yesterday she actually brought a kite home, and I don't know why. She, she's childlike at heart. She likes to have fun with her daddy. And we went out to out past my back yard into the church parking lot and there's a big church behind my house and we started flying a kite 
And uh, we got it finally, figured out how to do it, got it way up in the air. And uh, I'm looking up there, and it's got this little bitty small string. And I'm looking at it, and two birds fly. The only two birds I've seen in the whole wide open world that's flown o- over this parking lot. Two little birds. And I'm thinking, I wonder if they see that little string as they fly by. And I know sooner said that, that they stopped and they lighted on the string. <laughs> a kite string. And the kite's doing this number here, and they're trying to stay on it and flutter it around. I thought that I could live to be 156 years old and fly a kite every day, and that never would happen again. (laughs) And then they flew off, and then we let more string out, and the kite was over the church, you know. And and I no sooner said to Kaylee, I said, boy, wouldn't it be funny if, if, you know, the wind stopped blowing and the kite went down and landed on that steeple, that big old steeple on the church. The wind stopped blowing, and the kite went and landed on the steeple. I got video evidence. I started to show it, but Angie said, no, it's boring. But my point is, the kite would fly fine as long as the wind was blowing. But the moment the wind stopped blowing, it crashed. My responsibility is to let out the line and to fly the kite. But it's God's responsibility to provide the wind. And if the wind stops blowing, your kite ain't going to fly. Right? Am I telling the truth again? No wind, no flight. And some of you don't have any wind in yourselves because you're not following the Lord. But Isaiah says in 40:31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. God really will be the wind beneath your wings. Those who trust in the Lord. Not those who care about their stuff and their reputation. Building their kingdom like Saul. Saul, God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to David, a man after his own heart. Now David made a lot of mistakes, but his heart was always to do God's will, even when he made mistakes. Even when his flesh got the best of him, he came back and asked for forgiveness and got back into doing God's will. And one of the things about David was he was intent more than anything else on building God's house. He said, God, please let me build your house. God said, I don't need a house. I'm God. What you going to build for me? The whole earth is my footstool. But he taught God. He said, God, let us build you something. He said, David, I'm not going to let you, but I'll let your son. What did David do? Did he pout and say, well, I don't get to do it. So I'm just fine. I won't build you one. Nope. David took all his wealth, all the money he had accumulated as king for all those years, everything that he had, and he went out and bought the cedar. He went out and bought the, bought, he contributed the gold. Everything that was needed to assemble God's house was laid up for his son Solomon when he became king after David died. 
He did everything he could to build God's house. And I'm telling you, Jesus says, I will build my church. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what those super Christians say about church. Jesus is building the church. And if you're going to do God's work here on this, you can't be about building your kingdom. We got to come together and build God's kingdom. If you want to be after God's own heart, Colossians 3.3 was our scripture for 2019 and it's already popped up the first sermon in uh, 2020. For you died to this life and your real life, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't know what you've been living till now, but I'm telling you, you follow after God, you will find your real life. You want God's best this year? Then give God your best. Find your real life. Make Jesus your priority. Go whole hog in 2020. Stop robbing God of your love, of your attention, of your finances, of your best efforts. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All them other things you've been so worried about will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Peter's pride caused him to deny Christ three times. He thought it was over. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're 60-something years old out there. You're saying, well, I tried to serve God, but I keep failing, so I just gave up. Jesus has a better plan. Jesus, uh, uh, Peter said, well, I'm going to just go back to fishing. I done denied Christ three times. I'll just go back to my old life. And Jesus like, no, no. Once you've been called to be a fisher of men, you can't go back to fishing for fish. And so he came and he restored him. Peter jumped out of the boat and went up there and Jesus says, Do you love me, Peter? Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus is asking you today, Do you love me? Then be about my business. Don't go back to the old. Let's go into the new. Follow me. Jesus jumped up and started walking, and Peter jumped up and started walking with him. I'm going with you now, Jesus. He had a fresh new start. He had been restored. But old Peter, he looks back, and he sees John trailing. He says, what about him? And in John chapter 21, verse 22, Jesus said to Peter, if I want him to remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Stop worrying about somebody else that ain't following him. I can't go to church. My husband don't serve the Lord. You go to church. Your your husband ain't never going to serve the Lord without you serving the Lord. Stop worrying about what other people are doing. You follow me. And I'm telling you, if we don't get this main thing right in our life, we will never live the abundant life that Jesus came to provide us. We'll just live below We'll just live at the mercy of the devil. We'll just live underneath the foot of the wicked one the rest of our life. Tragedy to tragedy, calamity to calamity. But I'm trying to show you that God is our high tower. He is our refuge. He is the place that we run to. We got to seek him with our whole hearts. Proverbs 3, 5, and I'm closing. Trust in the Lord. 
with all of your heart. I don't know where it says it any better in the Bible. My message in a nutshell. 2020, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know where that's gotten you. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. He will show you that path that's dripping with abundance. He will be be the wind beneath your kite. (laughs) He will show you that way, and your life will drip with abundance in 2020. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.